Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management archaeology and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 250. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, we talk about planning for the winter as a CRM archaeologist. So get your finances together because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the show, everyone. Joining me today is Bill in California. Good morning. Doug in Scotland. Hey, everyone. And Andrew in California. Hey, guys. How's it going? And I'm currently in central Nevada off Highway 50, Hickson Petroglyphs. Look it up. It's a pretty cool little site. In fact, we might, we actually got here kind of late yesterday evening and, and uh, it's just an overnight stop for us, but might go check out the Petroglyphs a little bit before we leave because they're literally right up the hill from us. So that's pretty cool. And also, I just need to point out, as you likely heard in the intro, this is episode 250. Bill, when we started this, you've been here since like day one. Doug, you've been here since day one. Yeah. Did you ever think we'd hit 250 episodes? I mean, to no. be honest. <laughs> and also, I have a feeling that first episode was the same length as all of the 249 that we had after yes. that. It was like two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could have just oh ended right God. there and already beat most podcasts. <laughs> I know, right? Just from time alone. I, our first few years until really until I started the APN and we we dropped everything down to, I think CRM Mark dropped down before that. It was kind of a, a primer into the APN, but we just wanted to have a more well-defined show before we just would go and go and go until we decided not to go anymore. And I mean, honestly, you're right. I mean, a minimum episode was probably an hour and a half, but we had some that were topped two hours plus. And that took me so long to edit because not only did I suck at editing back then and I was really slow, but it was just like so long. <laughs> so it was tough. <laughs> hey Chris, do we actually have those episodes anywhere? Like, cause I know on the, uh, on the stream, like you only get like the last hundred some yeah. episodes or something like that. Well, and that's, that's typically how most RSS feeds work too, right? They only hold about a hundred episodes. I think once we move to this new service, um, we're going to be moving to Zencaster hosting. In fact, CRM Mark is already on Zencaster hosting and I don't know if the feed is holding more, but things like iTunes only like display often the last hundred. Anyway, there might be an adjustment we can make there, but for anybody that wants to hear some of those old episodes, they're always available at arcpodnet.com. So all you have to do is go there and then you can, you can find the older episodes. Uh, it might not be in your podcast player, but you can definitely find them there. So Go check that out. That first episode was in, I think it was uh, 20, 2012 or 2013. I think it's 2013 because next year, uh, sorry, yeah, 2013 in February because next year is our basically our 10-year anniversary of doing this. So 
it's um wow kind of a pretty big pretty good milestone in podcasting i think i don't think a lot of podcasts don't make it two years let alone 10 so i should look and see what the anniversary is do we all get diamond rings or something I don't know. i'm bad <laughs> i'm bad i think it's wood I think it's wood. Uh, it's the paper oh, okay. anniversary. I'm not All sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can go get some driftwood uh, off yeah. the, you know, I'll go to San Francisco, pick yeah. up some driftwood, whittle, <laughs> whittle us all a ring. But but right. I get nothing because I'm way too low in the pyramid scheme. No, you only have That's eight right. more years. It's cool. Uh, just a hop, skip, and a jump. <laughs> well, it does seem like it actually. It does seem yeah. like it was only a few days. I'll have like I'll have like Super Bowl rings made up anyway for all the OG guys. <laughs> nice. So nice. Yeah. yeah. So all right. Well, our topic today, this is it's it's my topic today. And the title of the episode, of course, is Winter is Coming. And as we're recording this, it is the last recording we're doing in September. So it's, uh, it's near the end of September. It's fall in a lot of places already uh, in, you know, Reno was like a hundred degrees a week and a half ago. And we were up in Lake Tahoe this last week and the lows were in the low thirties. <laughs> so it was kind of a shock to go from hundreds to low thirties and highs only in the fifties, uh, low sixties for that last week. So I think it's coming up again this week. It was kind of a, a little cold front, but it was a little taste of, Hey, fall is coming. Plus, need I say more pumpkin spice lattes. So, you know, call me basic if you want, but they're amazing. So, and in fact, I've got, my wife got at Trader Joe's, uh, pumpkin flavored, uh, espresso beans, like the, you know, like the chocolate covered espresso beans, but they're like pumpkin covered espresso beans and they're amazing. (laughs) I didn't know they had those. Anyway, I didn't either. Yeah. She just like saw them and got them. (laughs) I love the pumpkin spice lattes. Archaeological podcast. Uh, I see that (laughs) pumpkin spice lattes have actually crossed the Atlantic. And I noticed that they had them in Denmark when I was there last fall. And I was shaking my head like, you guys have so much delicious coffee. Why would you ever? (laughs) But then I know it was because Chris drove there first and told them. And then they, indeed, it was like the, like the Mayflower. You, you brought PSLs and then all of a sudden the whole country couldn't stop. One one of my good friends in Civil Air Patrol, who's who took over as squadron commander when my term was over, is from Denmark. She's Danish. She goes back to Denmark almost every year, except for the the COVID years. And I, I'm I'm gonna just I'll take that win. I'll say that she brought pumpkin spice lattes to to Denmark uh, for me. So <laughs> there you go. All right. So anyway. So anyway, winter is coming. And from a CRM archaeologist standpoint, now we're not necessarily talking to all of you people out there that have, you know, full-time jobs. You you know what you're doing over the winter because you're doing it every year. It's not really a discussion for you guys. Although I, I, everybody knows that's listened to this podcast for a long time. I wrote a book, I think 2014 is when it was published. And it was all about living and, and working as a CRM archaeologist and all the things you can do to, to kind of keep your lifestyle going. And I always thought that as like a second book that was based around like your career, but also a single year. And because they're kind of a metaphor for each other, you know, where each chapter would like be a month, it would be broken up into sections, which would really be quarters of the year. And you start trying to get your job for this for the spring and then you know looking at your finances and looking what you need for the year looking at some big purchases you may have to make maybe a new car or truck maybe some big maintenance items maybe some dental work i mean who knows right what what kind of savings do you need to start building up when the field season really kicks off and you can you can sock away a bunch of money if you can and then as the season goes through you progress on you know through spring and summer and fall uh, leading into winter and then what do you do to start planning for winter. And, and one of the things 
that I want to talk about first is, well, should you work, right? Should you even work? Because we, we have this job where people are always stressed out about where their next job is going to be. I, trust me, I've been there. You know, when you get that job that's only supposed to last three weeks and, you know, on day one of the job, this is such a unique position we're all in. But you get this job and then all of a sudden you're looking for another job like immediately. <laughs> and it's just it feels like you're always sending out CVs and always looking for another job. And it was even more tough for my wife and I because we would submit them together and we say we come as a package. So you either hire both of us or you hire neither of us. And we had pretty good success doing that because we would typically apply to bigger projects that need more people. Uh, so that was not really a problem. And we both had equivalent experience. So, you know, it's not like one was a we want you, but I guess we'll take you and you too. because <laughs> you come with the package. We were both, you know, equally experienced in that. So, but it's like, you're always looking for a job and we always stressed out too coming into fall. Like, okay, what are we going to do for the fall? What, what is our work going to be? Do we have enough money to live for a few months if we don't have work? You know, that's always a question. And in the first few years that we were together and working, we were in the Southeast and in the Southeastern United States, you kind of do always have work right now development and construction does slow down in the winter pretty much everywhere it seems i don't know if it does in the southwest uh, in the non-snowy regions of the southwest but or even like southern california or something like that but it seems like just because of national and global supply chains and things everything does kind of slow down in the winter even if where you live doesn't really experience a winter and so because of that you may still have to figure out well do you want to work so i'm curious with your guys's opinions right now you know, and, 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 and Bill, you too, uh, cause you did a lot of CRM, uh, yeah. you know, when you were leading up, did you ever plan to not work for the winter or did you just always have work because you were like in Tucson? Well, so yeah, you know, that's a good question because my career was split between Seattle and Idaho, which definitely experienced right. changes, you know, in the winter and then, uh, Tucson, you know, when I was in Idaho, I was just a tech. So it was the minute snow came, we were pretty much done. However, I was fortunate to work for a little while on a project where we, you know, it was really interesting. Like it was January, so it was cold, mm -hmm. but we set up these like plastic longhouse, like greenhouse things with PVC pipe to kind of melt, keep snow from getting on there and then keep the ground from freezing so that we could dig. And we'd set them up like three or four days in advance and they would, you know, the sun would radiate and warm up the ground so that we could actually start digging through those top layers that are frozen. And that was a transportation department project. And it was like a really in interesting way to do that, but it was data recovery, right? So survey is what sure. I spent most of my time doing in CRM anyway. And surveys like shut down when there's snow. So mm -hmm. in Washington, you know, in the Puget Sound area, it didn't really snow, but you're right. Like, government agencies and the other clients, you know, they're not necessarily looking to build or set things up in the winter because they know that Thanksgiving and December, their crews are going to be off. So if you're doing some kind of construction, starting it then is a bad idea, which means the sure. planning stages, a lot of times it's, it's not really going to happen. And so there was a lot of slowdowns. There was furloughs and stuff. And so, you know, I scraped by with savings. When I was a tech, I just found another job, you know, work at a grocery store or something like that because I couldn't, I couldn't just not have a job. But in Seattle, I just lived off savings and, you know, I was down to maybe 25, 30 hours a week until, mm -hmm. I don't know, probably February or so, January, February. It depends because once again, it all depends on the contracts. Like if they've got a huge project and there's a bunch of monitoring and other you know, data recovery kind of projects, then 
you get to stay on or you get your full hours because those hours are already contracted. But if they're looking for projects and they're still trying to get hired on them, then you can know that the revenue is short and field techs and, you know, entry level crew chiefs and stuff are probably going to see their hours cut, if not just laid off. My experience mirrors bills really close. I will say that in Southern California, it does tend to slow down over the winter. You do experience Mm -hmm. that winter thin time, but it does depend a little on what the project's doing. Like I would say the big projects, big surveys, big excavations, in my experience, none of that's really going on in the winter months. But if you're just monitoring or something, the monitoring will last longer. Like it'll slow down too, you know, but you get way closer to making it over the hump to the next year with, with that. And of course there's lab work if you're lucky, but yeah, my experience uh, mirrors that. And I took a second job too. (laughs) I was a pool lifeguard for years too. So I would do that. I was like a pool lifeguard slash CRM tech. Well, we'll, I think we'll talk about alternative jobs for the winter in the next segment. But Doug, why don't you take us out with your child? Yeah, I mean, I've worked in places where you can work through the winter. So I've worked in the Southwest, American Southwest. And I've worked in um, the UK and in the UK, like contrary, even though it's really far north with the jet stream, we actually don't get that much snow and it's doesn't really, it got a lot colder in New Mexico mm-hmm. than it ever gets in the UK. But I, I'm kind of of the opinion that it actually can really destroy you working through the winter because while the weather, it's still mm-hmm. workable, it's, it's really horrendous. Like uh, in the UK, you're basically cold and wet for five or six months straight. And then in, in, in you know, um, I remember like, so one of the projects we did, like it, in November, we we're in the south the south part of New Mexico and the temperature went from 25, so like, you know, negative five or something Celsius and swung up to like 28, 30. So like, you know, 80 Jeez. degrees in a day. So we, we, yeah. we'd get up in the morning, scrape all the... Um, all the frost off the off the vehicle's windows. We had to drive two hours, and by the afternoon we were down to like t-shirts. So you had, you had to layer up, which wasn't a thing. But like, man, wind wind takes it out of you. It it drains you a lot. Like, and, and the winter is windy. Yeah, I, I'm kind of of the opinion like, even though you might be in a place that you can work during the winter, you may not want to because it's it's going to be really physically draining. <laughs> I don't know, add a, a multiplier yeah, of like indeed. times three or times two or one and a half. I don't know. It depends where you are. I'm sure some people, well, okay. So like, you know, you go to the Middle East and the winter is the best time to work because it's, you know, 70 degrees and that's, that's the only time you could actually work. The, the, the summer is the reverse. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, most places, especially okay. if you're talking North America, yeah, you can work during the winter, but I'm not sure... You want to, with exceptions of, I don't know, has any of you guys worked in Florida? I hear that's decent enough weather during the winter. I started in Florida. I never worked in Florida, but I know that Arizona, specifically Southern Arizona, is just like you were saying, like the Middle East, the best time to work is the winter. And the only thing you really have to worry about is rain, because if you're doing excavation, 
the soils are just so fine that the water turns it into this complete slop that you can't really mm. step on or move on. So if they've scraped it down to find the features and stuff, you don't want them to get rain on them because it, it washes them out and destroys these really ephemeral features. But survey and stuff like that in the wintertime is, the, is awesome in southern Arizona because it might be drizzling or whatever, but it's, you know, 50 degrees when you start, 60 or 70 during the day. You know, you might need a jacket. Yeah, it could be windy, but at least there's not dust because the, the dirt is all wet. I mean, that's the best time. And, and it, southern Arizona is the only place where it did seem like there was year-round work where I worked. You know, in the wintertime, they just continue building. I mean, it's Phoenix, right? So it's just like the gold rush of america they just keep building and building until everything yeah. crashes and then when it crashes it crashes <laughs> and then you know they get some kind of federal money to keep some other kind of jobs going and then the minute there's even a uptick one second in the economy they just start building more houses and so in in uh you know arizona it, that place is always open for business you can work year-round and the winter is actually the best time to be out there nice nice all right well with that Let's take a break. And on the other side, we're going to talk about being able to continuously work as an archaeologist through the winter, where you can do that, what types of jobs you can do. And maybe I will discuss the horrors of working in the hellscape that is the state of Florida. Back in a minute. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Welcome back to episode 250 of the I Hate Florida podcast. I mean, the CRM Archaeology podcast. Um, so let me let me talk oh, about man. Florida for a minute. And in, in the context of where can you work pretty much consistently? Like, you know, I, I mean, Bill's mentioned, Andrew's mentioned, you know, things do slow down a little bit, but there are some places you can go in the country where weather wise, at least you can continue to work, even if maybe the work is a little slower, because, again, those places need to respond to global supply chains when they are doing their work, even if it's nice there, it might not be nice where they're getting stuff to do construction and things like that. So maybe their, their business slows down or like was mentioned holidays, things like that. So work might pick up in say January or February, but slow down for November and December. You know, I'm ragging on Florida, but it is a, it is actually a good place to get some pretty consistent work for the winter. And my second job ever in CRM started in December in Florida and I mean, it never really got cold there. I mean, I, honestly, I think we were wearing like light jackets or something in the morning because maybe it was cold in like you know January, February. It was a little chillier in the morning. And we were under this big tent on this full scale excavation in downtown Miami. So no sunlight or anything. And that was keeping it a little more chilly. But then during the day, it would get up to like, you know, 70 degrees or something. So if you're in the actual winter in Florida, I mean, it's not it's not terrible. I just don't like I just don't like 
humidity when it's pretty much always humid. I mean, it's a less humid in the winter, but it's pretty much always humid. I don't like lots and lots and lots of people. And Florida is crazy crowded. Now, again, there's parts of Florida that's not, but I was in Miami. So, <laughs> you know, crazy crowded. The one cool thing and the good thing I do remember from working in downtown Miami were the, were the Cubans, the Cuban culture, like going across the street and getting a cafe con leche and a Cuban sandwich was just delicious. And that was really cool. But aside from that, like I try to avoid Florida as much as possible, but it's a, it's a, it's a decent place to work in the United States for the winter time. Can we think of anywhere else that hasn't been mentioned that might be a good place to go? We worked in Washington in the winter, like you were saying, Bill, but it was just wet and rainy the whole time. <laughs> uh, I was going to say the, the Washington is probably one of the most miserable places I've ever worked in the winter because you only get like seven hours of sunlight and um, <laughs> right. it is, you know, you're right. It's like 48 degrees. You get to work and it's 44 degrees and raining. And then like during yeah. the day, it warms up to 48 degrees and raining. And then like, you know, <laughs> exactly. at four thirty, it's already too dark to dig. And so you're like mm-hmm. driving home and talking about crowded. That place also has traffic that's worse than the Bay area, which is crazy to think that, right. you know, this was, you know, 15 years ago, it was bad. Now it's, it's totally disgusting. And so mm-hmm. the ba- Seattle rocks because you get to work year round if you're at a high enough wage level. But the actual work, yeah. like Doug was saying, is miserable. Yeah, it's it's not fun. It's not fun. But there are areas of the uh, Southwest, too, where you can work. You know, I mean, obviously, like Flagstaff and stuff gets cold and snowy, but you, you stay in other parts of Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. There's definitely places where you can work down there, but the jobs are going to be scarce, right? Because you, you need to have kind of have an in because everybody wants to work and, you know, seasonal employees are going to be, it's going to be a tough sell you know, unless they happen to have a big winter project that they need somebody to do, right? Well, and also Arizona's hyper elitist. <laughs> yeah, like if, nice. if, if you didn't go to school at Arizona or ASU or NAU, I don't know how you, you it's like impossible to get in. They only hire their own sure. people. You have to have sure. Arizona experience. And they think that everybody else is just like from a different planet. Right. All right this is going to sound like I'm making a joke, but I'm not. Emirates? Like, no, seriously. So like what? Emirates, I mean, Saudi, those places, Yeah. They basically they don't have a, a sort of local workforce because you know only a few hundred thousand people and they don't have to most a lot of them don't have to work so they bring in massive amounts of foreign workers and it's really you don't Mm -hmm. like from other countries it's not like where they hate foreigners well they do in the sense that everyone hates foreigners but they they let you come and work um there's a lot of uk archaeologists who like leave during the winter because you can go and work in the winter you know saudi and the emirates Pay is pretty decent. Weather is nice, and it's quite easy to do it. So, like, I know that's that sounds like my first said, yeah, guys, go to the Emirates. It sounds like I'm, I'm I'm making a joke, but I'm not. It's actually a pretty legit place. I mean, Saudi's building that, yeah, one lane city that's going to go for like 50 miles or something, and that's well, going to require a lot of Doug, work. Funny. 
funny thing you mentioned that uh, there is a United States CRM firm. I don't think I'm at liberty to say who it is uh, because we interviewed somebody who was on that project over the summer. Actually, I'm not sure I worked there over the summer, but that's just when the, that's just when this phase of it had to happen. But yeah, in Saudi Arabia uh, over the summer for like I don't know six weeks, two months, something like that, there was a CRM firm in the United States that had people working over there. So there are some firms that are working in the Middle East and and other parts of the world, and that brings up the question too of well this is some this is why it's good to actually work for a larger firm that has offices all over if not the united states the world more than likely just the united states unless you're with you know somebody who's i don't know i don't know how you get those contracts because the the firm i'm thinking of is not like super huge Uh, it's not like an international construction firm or anything like that or engineering firm they're a crm shop and yet they work internationally so it happens anyway the point is they may be able to move you around if you're either one of your one of their more trusted, you know, seasonal field techs. They're they're going to keep you as much as they can and, and move you to where if you're willing to go, if you don't have something tying you down, if you're willing to go where the work is, then they will more than likely try to accommodate you with that. Now, again, if you don't have the experience or some sort of special skills, then they're they're going to favor somebody who does. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. The people at the bottom are probably going to go, or maybe. If you're willing to travel and some people aren't, then you might be favored on on getting some work. So, Doug. I don't know if we're going to mention this later or something else, but, you know, also some companies do a lot of lab work during the winter and try to keep people on. Mm-hmm. Um, not every, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. Like, I mean, there's always a trade-off because in a sense of they have fewer lab people who are can be year-round, so there's somewhat fewer jobs that way. Mm-hmm. But then there's more jobs for people who are labs. So you might do like three months of uh, measuring uh, lithics and ceramic and oh, writing reports, a bunch of other stuff. I mean, some some are able to keep people on. And I wish there was more, more that would would do that. Or uh, in some places, I wish it would be more financially viable to do that. Yeah, I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head there, Doug. That's the other thing I want to talk about. Aside from just moving to some place that actually has work for the winter, look where you're at now and and see what they have to offer you. This is where gaining some other skills in any way, shape, or form that you possibly can, and you might have to just beg and plead to learn new things at a company. Specifically, I'm thinking of this one company we worked for. I think it was the first like big Nevada project that, that uh, Rachel and I had, and we were using uh, Nevada IMAX forms, of course. And we'd never really seen IMAX forms before because I think the project we had before that somebody else was filling them out. And then when we get to the the project that we were on again, somebody else was filling out like the primary Nevada IMAX forms. And, and we were just doing like artifact tallies and, and feature descriptions and stuff like that. But I really angled to, to try to, see these forms and understand how to fill them out and, and become, you know, a person that could do that because that leads you into becoming a crew chief, which could lead you into becoming maybe somebody who could, especially now, maybe not 10 years ago, but especially now angling for like a work from home position with a company where maybe you're transcribing site forms, maybe you're helping to write sections of a report. You know, even if you're a field tech, it doesn't matter. Like they, they still need things written. If you can demonstrate half decent writing skills and, and a knowledge of the area and uh, uh, the ability to follow a format and instruction, 
then you might be able to angle, angle yourself into a work from home position where you just need a computer and an internet connection and you can live wherever you want and work for this company doing these things. Obviously, lab work is going to require you to be there physically, you know, for, for a company that actually has a lab. That's another thing. A lot of companies don't even have labs, right? Especially smaller firms. All your bigger firms probably do, but your smaller ones, they may not even have labs. So if you're angling for winter work, maybe around now, <laughs> if you're looking for a job and, and you can work another month or two, you know, start start looking for one of those companies that may have a, a larger presence and the ability to perhaps keep you on in some form or capacity or move you to a place that you can. Yeah, I would just say in some ways it's almost easier than than I think than what you're describing, Chris, because it's it's always good to get those more skills and stuff. Absolutely. But I think it mm -hmm. just boils down to be professional, be a good yeah. professional on your current job, because it's always like when the field thing winds down, they pull the people they like for the lab thing, <laughs> you know, they winnow it down. And then if you can make the cut, then you have that extra six weeks or whatever of pay. Yeah. Nobody's going to hire an overqualified asshole is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the other thing too, that I, so a, a little bit about this and we were kind of mentioning it before the show started is that we're kind of in a bizarro world where like the numbers don't always add up for really anything that we once knew, like, sure, you know, gas and rent and everything else is in this insane dimension that, it's like, you know, who, who the hell can even pay for all this stuff? But the other thing talking about making it over the winter, bizarro world might create opportunities in that everybody else just takes another job because it's so mm -hmm. horrible to work in the winter and because the wages aren't where they should be. And because it's hard to keep a job, people just start, you know, proactively planning to find a way to maneuver away from the company. And as soon as the fun field work and the discovery is dying down from the summer and it starts to rain and it starts to suck and, you know, it's windy and everything, people might start dropping off and flaking off and just creating new opportunities for the people who actually just stay with the company. Indeed. Yeah. And that's that's such a good point. And I, and I think both of you guys kind of making the point of you know, be a likable person. If you're, if you're a, a likable person and, and something, somebody that people want to be around and I can't say I've been this person most of my career, but, <laughs> but be that, be that kind of person. And, you know, they might just try to find something for you because they don't want to lose you. Right. They don't want to lose you to somebody else. They want to keep you around for the next season. All right. Uh, unpopular opinion. Um, I don't know, opinion or statement. <laughs> I, I think, I think, also, it might be a time for some people to reflect if it's if it's a good time to leave archaeology, <laughs> like permanently as well, or um, for a while. I mean, if you, yeah. I, I know that's that's probably not the thing people want to hear on the CRM podcast, but yeah, I you know if you're gonna have some downtime, it might be a good time to look at your priorities. If the where you work can't provide year-round work for various reasons. Maybe it's outside the, the ability of the companies or the companies just decide they're not going to. Yeah, their loss, it may be a time to sort of think about a different career. I think there's a lot of folks who do that because, I, you know, coming up, I remember that's like the time. Yeah. Just like Doug was mentioning, that's the time people find another job and they realize, you know, making pumpkin spice lattes is not so bad until I go on to, you know, get, get a degree, you know, as a, a nursing technician. 
or, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just going to move on to the next thing. I'm moving to a whole nother town or, you know, my partner has a job and I'm just going to go with them and we're, we're done with archaeology. Right. And so I remember, especially when I got up to the level where I was hiring folks, calling so many people in the spring and trying to get them to come back. And they did what Doug said. They did some soul searching and they figured, you know what? I did it. I was an archaeologist for a couple of years or a year. I succeeded and that was enough success for me. I'm just going to move on to the next thing. Well, I think that's a good point because we're, we're starting to lead into it to take a break and then we'll come back on the other side and talk about those other jobs you can do over the winter that are also not necessarily seasonal, uh, but there are some jobs that are seasonal in the opposite direction. They're only winter jobs. And then there's other jobs that you can just do as a temporary person pretty easily and, and maintain your work. And we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to segment three of episode 250 of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. And we're talking about winter work, winter finances, winter archaeology, if that's a thing for you, and, and what you can do to plan for the winter. So over the break, Doug was bringing up a good point about, uh, you know, not, not blowing up your current position uh, in, in case you might get it back in the next, in the spring. Go ahead, Doug. <laughs> yeah, it was just to say is, you know, it, it's great if companies can keep you on over the winter, but sometimes like that is just not possible. And that's not just like they decide not to, it is, there's just no work. They're laying off people. And this could happen during the summer. Yeah. yeah. This can happen during the summer as well, or spring, you know, anytime. It's a good time. Like, around here, around when it gets wintertime and, and jobs get scarce is where you sort of find out relationships and who's good to work for or who's good to work for you. Whatever you do, don't like send angry ranty emails if you get laid off or angry ranty <laughs> Facebook pages, uh, posts or angry ranty uh, yeah. Twitter threads or any, anything angry ranty, douchey, assholey, I don't know. You, you, you pick your word. Don't do it. Like... Yeah, that's that's just the thing is like you're, you're going to burn bridges and there's not a lot of bridges uh, existing in CRM and people will talk and you'll get a reputation. Yeah. And so, yeah, just like just realize that this is sort of sometimes this is how it goes. But conversely, also, it might you might find out that like an employer you don't want to work with in the future when like say you found a different job during the winter or you, you just need a break. And if, if the employer gets really angry and ranty and sends you angry ranty emails or makes angry ranty Facebook posts about the horrible workers, yada, yada, then you also know that's someone you don't want to work with um, in the future. I guess right. it, it works both ways. Yeah, guys, just like this is things happen. Don't, mm-hmm. don't blow up stuff just because you, you can and you're angry. Take a deep breath. 
uh, get a cup of coffee or tea, chill, and then like think about before you send that um, tweet, post, email, have another text message. Yeah. Along the same lines, you know, unless unless the person you have a beef with is the actual owner of the company, keep in mind that pretty much everyone else is probably going to cycle out of there at some point. If you've got an issue with somebody and maybe they're the ones that bad-mouthed you and, and, and got you laid off, you know, you might still work for that company at some point later. But if you do like Doug says and you, and you, you know, you send angry emails or something, everyone's going to remember that, not just the person who was kind of the douchebag, right? So... Just, just note that everyone cycles out in CRM. None of these jobs are permanent. I don't care how long they've been there. None of these jobs are permanent except for the company owner. And even that might not be permanent if they get purchased or decide to just give it all up. But yeah, don't, don't burn that bridge if you don't, uh, if you don't have to. Or like Doug's last point, I agree with that too. Some bridges you just don't ever want to cross again. So, you know, blow it up <laughs> if you don't ever want to go there. Well, you know, that yeah, might be but, okay, but know, know yeah, what but you're you, doing. <laughs> you never know what the radioactivity from that's going to be. So just that's true. Go, that's true. ghost out and just do nothing, right? Like, you know, hey, Bill, yeah. want to come back? Yeah. Well, you guys were basically human sewage. No, I don't want to work for you again. <laughs> don't say right, that. Right. But definitely yeah. uh, just don't respond to the email and just let them go. Well, you yeah. know, I emailed you like nine times. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I've been really busy. <laughs> and plus, like, I found another job. Right. All right. So m- moving on a little bit here to money. Uh, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, you know, throughout the year trying to plan, you know, you really have to sit down look at your finances and say, well, how, how much do I need to live for X number of months over the winter? If you, if you either want to plan to take that time off, or if you want to plan to maybe have to take that time off if you don't find anything, right? So it's good to prepare ahead for it. And I think Andrew's got some advice for that. Yeah. I was just thinking about the money thing. And actually I think that's so important that I'd like to do a full podcast on that in the future, you know, just money savings in CRM. In my experience, You know, I think this time of year, you're looking at the calendar and you're hoping you're like, okay, is this job going to last until November Mm -hmm. 3rd? Is it going to go till November 16th? And you know (laughs) that they're going to tell you more than it really is. You know, oh, we have until the 22nd, but then they're going to tell you, oh, guess what? You're laid off. So that my first thing is just be ready for that. It's coming sooner than you think. And then have your money ready. And by that, you know... Take a deep dive into what that means long term. Like, do you have a Roth IRA? Does your company mm-hmm. do 401ks or 403bs or whatever it is? It's like get knowledge about that at, at this time, you know, and set yourself up. I always do this at the end of the year for the next year. Right. Are you ready with your taxes? You know, are you are you ready? Are you going to? Oh, is that going to be like really hardcore? Get a checkup on your car. Right. It's a great time to be like, oh, I need an oil change. Oh, I need windshield wipers. You know, it's since you're kind of having this downtime, you can get your car hooked up for the next year. Yeah. I would also make sure to hook up your yearly memberships at this point, you know, because we tend to forget that stuff or whatever. It's like, oh, my God, I haven't like updated my. California archaeology membership in two years, you know, and also mm-hmm. your your auto membership. I, I I always prattle on about that one. You know, the AAA, the American Automobile Association, such a good thing. So I would just say 
take stock of all that stuff because you'll lose it if you don't. And it's a good time to just be like, hey, you know what? In December, I'm going to hook up all this stuff for the new year. I'm going to make sure my taxes are hooked up. I'm going to make sure my savings is hooked up. I'm going to start a Roth if I haven't before and just think about that stuff consciously because it can help you so much in the future. That's a good point about memberships and stuff too. And, and keeping up on that stuff in the winter. I know, I, I don't know if this is by design or, or just because it's the first of the year or whatever, but most of my like society memberships, like I think SHA, SHA SAA, those kinds of things, they yeah. all come due in January. And I think they just structure it that way. It's not like when you signed up, I think they're just all due in January. And that might just be because, you know, this was all set up by archaeologists and they know that, you know, over the summer and over the field season, it's just chaotic and you're not going to remember to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's a good time in the winter to catch up with that stuff. Definitely. And it can be kind of expensive too, depending on, you know, which ones you're a part of. So to set that money aside and be ready for that in this otherwise lean time, you know, for sure. Yeah. I think when it comes to those memberships and stuff though, they kind of like, I, I feel like they fall down low on the, you know, scope of importance though. I I hear what you're saying though. And, and if there was any one you're going to keep up with, you really should keep up with your regional and your local one, because those are where the actual people in your region, you know, that's where they're hiring. So wherever you decide to winter, cause that's another thing too, like thinking about where you actually want to winter, including, you know, your parents' house, including, you know, having other roommates trying to diversify who is actually paying for your bills and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If you're actually, if you've been spending the whole year living in your vehicle, are you going to migrate to a place where you can make it all winter in your vehicle? I mean, these are all things that folks can think about, you know, going back to the paying for extraneous stuff. Yeah. You need AAA to stay alive, but you kind of don't need any of these archeology span organizations when you're a field tech. And yeah. that's one of the biggest problems with the organizations themselves that, they're not actually relevant to most of the archaeologists. So right. it's only people like me and us on the show that are the only ones who are in a secure enough space to pay for these these organizations. But definitely working on your connections through LinkedIn and making sure that you have emails, like saving all those old mm-hmm. job applications that you've sent in before so that you can look at back at those places that you emailed and see if they've got winter work, if you're going to stay with archaeology or remember who they are so that you can, you know, connect with them in the spring. Like that's a good way to inventory that kind of stuff. Right. Good points. All good points. All right. Well, let's, Let's move on then to wrap up this podcast and talk about some of the other jobs you can do that are not in archaeology for the winter. And I want to talk about some, I mean, we'll talk about some gig work and stuff like that, but I'm thinking of some other seasonal stuff that I've known. I've actually known people that did. And one of the ones that always comes to mind is ski instructor. (laughs) So if you're a, if you're good at snow skiing, well, it's an obvious seasonal job that's opposite of archaeology. And it's actually a really good thing if you can get into it. I don't know how well they pay. It probably depends on where you're at. But if you like that sort of lifestyle, then ski instructor is actually a really good thing to do over the winter. I've known at least two people early on in my career. I don't know anybody lately. Weird living in Reno with so many world-class ski resorts up at Lake Tahoe. But anyway... There's definitely work there. And I actually knew somebody who was an accountant too. And the only thing they did from an accounting standpoint over the year was, you know, a lot of accounting firms will hire extra people just like, you know, Amazon hires extra people, which is another thing you can consider in like November, December for the, for the holiday rush. But like accountants hire people starting in say December, January, working in through tax season, which leads right into your field season. And and they'll hire people who are specialists in, in doing taxes and stuff like that. And if that's a skill you have, if you like math, then, uh, you know, 
go ahead and get get some sort of accounting license. I don't know what you need, but it could be something you could do just for a few months out of every year without doing it all year long. So those are a couple of things. And I don't know if you guys can think of some other seasonal jobs like that, but then there's also, as Bill's mentioning in our chat here that I said we we're going to mention, there's always gig work. If you have a decent enough car, you can do Uber or Lyft or something like that because they do check out your vehicle. They don't want people, you know, running around in a dirty archaeology, you know, beater car. <laughs> but, but if you do have a dirty archaeology beater car, you can do DoorDash. They don't check your car out. They just want to make sure you get it there. So, uh, and again, these things are, are tough. They don't pay super well, but it's your schedule and you decide when you want to do it. So I don't know. Can you guys think of any other, I guess, seasonal winter jobs that would be good for people that they could do? Well, all the Christmas uh, jobs, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, I mean, mentioned like the Amazon warehouse type one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess they've been replaced by Amazon warehouse, but back in the day, it was, you know, the mall and all these other places, Target. Sure. Costco, they were all hiring in the winter to have people, and it's mm-hmm. just pure seasonal stuff. They're, it's known you're going to get laid off after the first of the year because it's just yeah. for the season. So that used to be the mainstay, but now, of course, with Uber and Lyft and all those other ones, you know, you have another pathway to make money. But I don't know how lucrative that is. Yeah, it's, is it's better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's better than nothing. Um, I had that experience. <laughs> I mean. Uh, I worked at a historic home that would open for the holidays, you know, so I, I served like, uh, dinners and stuff. I was almost basically a waiter, but it was still, it was in the historic world. It was this cool, huge historic home that they would give tours and stuff. So that, but that would take you over the winter and then it's a, it's a good time to, yeah. I can I can picture you in like a 1920s or 30s like suit kind of thing with like a handlebar <laughs> mustache, you know, serving oh dinners God. in this historic home. Unfortunately, we didn't have to dress up like that, but the place totally looked like that. It was the Dunsmuir House, <laughs> if anyone cares. It was the Dunsmuir House in Oakland, which actually looks like a tiny mini version of the White House. Uh, (laughs) it's in its own valley like by it so it's very very Uh, cool oh my gosh and like who's showing up for this too is it just people who are lost they're like hey what's this right here and it's like that (laughs) house on stranger things season four and you're like (laughs) right this way my friends like no way i've already seen this place i'm not going into the upside down world and Uh, i'm not eating anything in this place (laughs) it actually was super nice and it was actually super nice and super <laughs> awesome. So I, I can't yeah. I can't jump too much. But dude, a ton of people would show up. Like I didn't realize, but a ton of people were into this holidays at the Dunsmere House. And and you might experience that wherever you live, that there's certain places where the community goes just during the holidays, you know, and they need a ton mm-hmm. of people to work there between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Well, we'll get a report on it from Bill because he's not too far from Oakland compared to the rest of no, us. No, I'm not going to the upside down. Come on. How am I going to make it to episode 251 if I go to Andrew's upside down house? I won't make it back. Come on, Bill. Everyone's Indeed. doing it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm the guy that would just make it to the upside down and be like, well, it looks like I'm done. Like, come on. Yeah. You know, Demogorgons yeah. tear me apart. You're I'm, just going to lay not. down. Just going to lay yeah, down. <laughs> yeah. I might get in the fetal position as they eat me up, but I wouldn't even fight back. I'd be like, come on, seriously. Right. Like I never thought this right. was going to happen. I'm done. No. Uh, the Well, the thing I used to always, you know, it, we mentioned it earlier. I always just pushed to try to find the permanent job and stay with the place. Cause you know, I felt like that was the way I could further my career the best. And 
you know, yeah, whatever it was, doing maps, making tables, washing artifacts, you know, doing all those different kinds of things. That was what I was always trying my best to do. And then, mm-hmm. you know, following all the things that we were just saying, being polite, connecting with people, making sure that I'm paying attention to what job is coming up next and trying to maneuver into that just so that I could stay employed. That was that was what I did. And, you know, fortunately, I had a graduate degree by the time I started to hit the glass ceiling and you know, I was able to actually shift over to permanent employee, but that was always the strategy for me. Yeah, I did right. the exact same thing, honestly. And then I would just fill in the holes with my part-time lifeguard gig at, at local pools. That's that's cool, too, especially if you're someplace that's, you know, the weather is decent, like California over the winter. Yeah, lifeguard is a is a really great one. So I don't know. I'm trying to think of stuff, too, that you can do with your, your anthropology or archaeology degree that might lead into a new career and, you know, certain things like, I mean, like this Dunsmuir house thing, right. But also like museums and stuff like that, that might have special exhibits and and special winter activities to, to lure people in because, you know, summertime, I don't, I don't know. Winter seems like the time of museums, except for places that are maybe uh, in, in touristy areas where there's just a lot of people, then they might go into them in the summertime, but in the summertime, people generally want to be outside and doing things like that. So I'm thinking, you know, museums over the winter. And, and that could lead into something else for you too, because they also have labs in some cases, depending on the museum background, you know, back-end collections and stuff like that that need to be worked on that maybe you didn't even think about. And you might not need like a museum studies certificate or degree to to work with if you're not actually doing exhibits and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's just a thought, something that could keep your toe in. Museums are not going to save you, man. Museums are not going to save you. There are, <laughs> there are more people interested in doing museums than doing archaeology. Like there are like people with masters and PhDs yeah. hoping to go in and like work in the um, gift shop. Like that's. I'm yeah. sorry, my, my my wife works in museums, and like it, it's so much tougher to break into that than archaeology. Like, yeah, it's I right. I would be amazed if there's anything that museums are going to offer that's not going to have like 200 people applying, some of them with like 30 years of experience sure. to work for minimum wage. Here in the Bay Area, the the key is finding IT work and working in, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of folks I know that have anthropology degrees are well suited to work in user experience. So trying to figure out the cultural reasons why people use apps and, you know, how they click on ads and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. if you if you do have any kind of uh, understanding of like different ethnicities or languages or whatever, you are absolutely invaluable. And these days, you know, a huge number of those jobs are online. So there's that. There's, of course, uh, ghostwriting and editing and all that other kind of stuff that's actually producing 90% of the, the internet that we're seeing. So if you have sure. a strong command of the English language and technical writing and stuff, you can get in a job with that. And, you know, these are the kind of jobs actually that you could, if you were, you know, by the project or something like that, you could always continue doing that even throughout the year because it's just on, on your laptop. And then you can just turn it up during the winter and do more of those projects and do more of those app evaluations. Indeed. That's a good idea. All right. Yeah. My quick, quick last bit, I would just say, make sure that the other job actually knows you're an archeologist because while I was at the pool, there was a guy who heard I was an archeologist and he was actually a local art preservationist. So I got a job for like two months at his house, helping to preserve art because of my archeology span background. Mm, nice. Well, there you go. All right. 
Well, guys, I think this has been great. I'd like to know what people are doing for their winter plans. Do you do you have a job? Do you work somewhere? Do you are you are you full time? Or I really want to know what field techs are doing, right? Or seasonal people, you know, crew chiefs, field techs that are that are seasonal, moving around. Are you are you planning on going somewhere that? that has work and you've got a plan for that, or you're just going to try to find something. Are you picking up a seasonal position? Are you, did you save enough money to where you can just take four months off and, and work on yourself? You know, uh, maybe living with uh, family or friends or something like that. Or, I mean, I didn't even get to mention this, but I know, I know a guy who bought a house like, this was probably a decade ago, so probably three decades ago. He bought a small house, really a shack, to be honest, in Costa Rica for almost nothing and spent his winters there. <laughs> so, because you could live down there for almost no money. And I imagine that a lot of that hasn't changed. So, could be a thought, but you know, think outside the box when it comes to that stuff. So, anyway, let us know what you're doing, Chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com or hit us up through the contact info in the show notes or just comment wherever you see this episode. With that, we We'll see you guys next week. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at archpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners and Doug for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) See you guys next time. Doug, are you going to have your kids say goodbye? I'm just waiting because you're muted. So. Killing it, Chris. You're killing it. Hold on a second. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, there we go. There it is. All right. Is. All right. <laughs>This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.